So I was very much back and forth on the idea of recording an episode last week. Now, for me, it, I, I just didn't really have a ton of time to be able to do it anyway. But I think it was a matter of, does it make sense to talk when it felt like the NBA series, both East and West, were over, but not officially over? Might as well just wait for you know the final nail in the coffin. Um, and then also things like the PJ Championship, Brooks Kepka, my guy ended up winning it. Michael Block was a cool story. Like there, there were other things that we could have talked about, but ultimately we kind of made the executive decision to wait until after the NBA conference finals ended. And I think part of it was like, you know, we could spend time talking after game three or even after game four. And it's like, well, you know, we're going to go off on this Celtics team. And then all of a sudden they're going to turn things around and pull out the greatest comeback in NBA history. And it looked for a while like that was going to happen. And ultimately not only they lose game seven but they play one of their worst games of the season it's not really competitive throughout and i can't help but feel like i would have rather this team just laid down and died and got swept instead of dragging it out like this oh, oh I, I i feel the same way because the first i would say five games of this series you know the five stages of grief right yeah uh, I, I don't know all of them at the top of my head like denial yeah. anger and like the, the last one's acceptance right yes the first five games, I was like, just accepting that they were going to lose. Yes, yeah, like, the, the first three games, like, I, yeah, this is the Celtics team I know. Like, they, they're they're going to fold and and eventually quit, and and then the rest is history. But then they force a, they force the game five. It's like, great, they'll just they'll just blow at the worst time possible. Yeah, just and lose that home game inside, five. Like they and, always do. And I still <laughs> I still believe that. But game six, the way that played out, uh, with 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 uh, with the Celtics having that lead. And they should have been. Uh, they should have had a bigger lead in game. Should have been blowing them out. Uh, they should have been blowing them out the way the Heat were playing, but specifically Butler and bio because mm-hmm. Caleb Martin obviously he showed up for every game of the <laughs> yeah. series. But there's a big drop uh, off after those two guys. You know when you kept and, keep and neither out, those two guys really had a good game. No, they were they were terrible. Uh, Jimmy Butler was horrible for I think the first 46 minutes of the game, and then finally with two minutes left, all of a sudden it's like holy shit, the Celtics are gonna blow a 10 point lead. It was like the it was what happened in Game Seven last year when the Celtics were up. You're thinking the game is over. Yeah, they're and up then all by, of a sudden they're basically losing. And like in this, they're game, shooting they were their losing. ways. They're shooting their way out of the the game in Miami. Just gets just making a comeback, just like just like Game Seven. Yeah, and, and just like in Game Six of this this series. And yeah, once Butler hit those free throws, the I I thought it was over for sure. Same. And, and then Smart he puts that up that shot, and I typically would typically would just hate uh that kind of shot but just given that there was only three seconds left on the clock and Marcus Smart was really the only guy making anything in that game um I'm sure I would have ripped him more if if uh if that shot not only missed but there was no putback uh but regardless he he puts up the shots goes in and out and then Derek White makes makes really a, a play that I thought would be you know, kind of like Dave Roberts. Yeah, that was, Terry, it was, Butler. It, it was, was a combination. Like, yeah, it was like Malcolm, Malcolm Butler's play, just like this guy, just like out of nowhere. But it was a combination of Dave Roberts' steal in game four and David Ortiz' walk-off like 10 right. innings and later. Every championship team has that that lucky moment, that that moment that really turns it, everything around. And it's like a defining moment in history. Yeah, and, yeah, and that was I the thought moment. we were going to have that uh-huh. after that moment, but... You know the Celtics. The their biggest weakness is success because the Celtics, their front running 
basketball team because the second things go well for them, they think everything's just going to be easy and the other team is going to roll over. But you can't do that against opponents. Uh, they, they, they continually play down to their opponents uh, game after game. And this is the wrong team to do it against. Mm-hmm. Even though Miami is clearly not as talented as Boston, but they're so much more mentally tough of a team and they have an established culture and the Celtics, they, they're, they're pretty stupid. As talented as they are, they, they, they're kind of a stupid basketball team. They're mentally weak and they constantly live and die by the three. We both even said it after one quarter that this is just like watching the Houston Rockets in game yeah. seven versus the Warriors. Ten, years ago. ten mysteries in the first quarter. It's, it's all I'm the totally threes f- and then all the unforced turnovers combined with it. it. Just let it lets a team like Miami hang around way longer than they should. And ultimately you lose the series. Yeah, like in game four, you saw in that third quarter that they were putting up a better fight because when the shots started to fall, start going through, they started, you know, upping the energy and defensive intensity on the other side of the ball, which, which, which it's great. But when the shots don't fall, it actually affects the defense as well for them because they just, they can't, they can't grind out a win. I mean, they Mm kind of did in game six. So I thought in game seven that, they showed, you know, a little bit more mental toughness and that Miami Heat thing where, like, the little things, because we saw at the end of Game 6, they played to the buzzer, unlike Miami, where you saw not only White, but Tatum also crashing to the board. Yeah, and, both had a chance there. And Yeah, because when the Celtics win, they blow teams out of the building and just make it look so easy, but they rarely win a grind-out game, and that's exactly what happened in Game 6. And just, look, I believe that they were going to win the series, and then when they came back down from 3 nothing when I thought it was over, <laughs> uh, when they came back down from 3 nothing and made it a tie series, I thought they were going to win game seven, but I'm not surprised at all. No, I'm not they shocked said. either. They, 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 anytime they have success, they they just assume that it's going to continue to happen, and and then just look what happened in game seven. Miami didn't quit, because any, te- any other team would just really just roll over and, and, and not put up a fight, but Miami's a much different team. Yeah, no, they they definitely have the better mindset and when it comes to toughness and adversity and I, the, the Celtics they they have played so well in these past couple of years when the backs are against the wall like in elimination games, but I agree like whenever they jump out and things start looking good, it's like where what is happening right now? You look at the Philly series and uh, you know, they fall behind game one, then they bounce back, win two games, and then they lose game four and five. But then all of a sudden, game six and game seven, it's like, okay, this is a Celtics team that you believe in. Like, right. it, it wasn't as easy as it should have been. And it felt like that was going to no, happen they, they with it, Miami they make at it, points, but it just never... They make it so much harder on themselves than they should. Yes. But when their backs are against the wall, they, they usually step up. Yeah. Step up and get their we shit We saw together. that for three <laughs> games, more or less. And then, of course, game seven, though, just, I, I, don't, I don't know. It, you end up having, I think it's part of the frustration is just the way game seven played out as well, where this is a Celtics team that last year, defense was really the big strong suit. I mean, they, they have offense. They have great weapons to be able to put points on the board. But it's really like the defense was the identity that took this team from middling, like sub 500 to arguably the best team in basketball second best if you want to put golden state above them considering they won the finals but they turned around because of the defense and i think that 
the yeah, they've lost that the defensive identity that they had last. They did, season. but then they turned things around with the offense this year. When all of a sudden this was just like this super offensive team, we saw that in most points throughout the playoffs, and then all of a sudden in Game Seven, the team only scores eighty-four points, the fewest they scored all season. Fifteen points in the first quarter was the third fewest they scored. Uh, didn't hit a three in the first quarter for the first time all season. And then in total, nine for 42 from three. That tied their lowest regular season output, which was only worse than the game six going seven for 35 from three. So it's just like in this yeah, big moment in game I, seven, the offense is just nowhere to be found. I'm fine with a team living and dying by the three if it's like Golden State. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, uh, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. But And I'm not saying the Celtics are bad. They, they have they good were a shooters. top five three-point shooting team and I, I guess that's another thing the Celtics were fifth in three-point shooting in the regular season they shot 37.7 percent from three the Heat were 34.4 percent which doesn't sound like a big drop-off but they finished 27th in the whole league they were not a great three-point shooting team but then in the in the season conference finals Miami was hitting everything and the Celtics were missing everything and I I, I don't want to say it's all luck because the Heat players you know, they stepped up, whatever it, you know, being able to knock down threes, especially in hostile environments in the playoffs on the road is a big thing. But the the three point shooting just it didn't match up it, like in terms of ex- expectation. And that's part of why it felt like the Celtics still had a chance, even though they were down. It's like if things normalize, they're the much better team across the board. And we saw it for three games and just not in game seven. They're too reliant on the three. And and it, it's it's it just sucks because. They really do live and die by the three because, yeah, if they, if they if they make their shots, everything is great, and they run teams out of the building. But if if their shots aren't falling, then they're just like, oh well, like, what are we gonna do? <laughs> uh, and, like they they don't really have. Yes, they score a lot of points, and they're off. Like when you look at the numbers, yeah, their offense is grip, but you know, just watching it, it's like they don't really have much of an offensive game plan if their shots aren't falling. Yeah. No, I think that's pretty apparent. The, the, way too many times someone would just dribble up and pull up from three. I feel like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum do that way too often. If it goes in, like, oh, that's really fun. But more often than not, it doesn't. You just have wasted possessions with all this time on the shot clock. And they're just a frustrating team is really what it comes down to. And I just, I don't know what it is, but there's something missing for me when it comes to this Boston Celtics team where I just don't look at them anywhere close to the same way I looked at those teams with KG, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce at no, one they title. Don't, they don't have, they're, they're not as mentally tough of a team. Like, yeah, they, they're talented. They're the most talented team in the league. I, I say that over and over again, but I still believe that. But they don't have, they have, they don't have that killer instinct. You know, Tatum, his idol was Kobe Bryant. He's, He's not Kobe. Like Kobe no, Bryant. not at all. <laughs> He's not even, <laughs> for someone who idolizes him, as much as he does, he's really nothing like Kobe Bryant. And look, I don't think Tatum is a losing play. Like he's not like James Harden, who's you know straight up loser. But yeah, he's had too many. Know, the comparisons point. to Carmelo are not are are, uh. are kind of realistic. Who he was he was a losing player. Like he was he had all the talent in the world, but he never won anything. And and Tatum kind of is kind of heading down that path. As He's had more he success is. than Melo. I think he brings more than what Melo does. Uh, I haven't heard of this comparison, so I haven't had time to like really think about that. But I mean, Melo, phenomenal offensive scorer. He's one of the best scorers in NBA history. But he doesn't do anything else. So it's not a great guy to be compared well, well, to. T- yeah, and that's true. <laughs> Tatum, Tatum definitely plays well on both sides uh-huh. when he's at his best. I mean, but, yeah, of course. But you know, as bad as. Uh, Look, outside of Game Seven versus Philly, I don't think Tatum had a great playoffs. I mean, he he had his moments 
like like game six versus Philly, where he was so bad for three quarters, then but then just, just awesome turned it on. But outside of those moments, he really he he really wasn't that great for someone that's humbly the best basketball player in the world, as he <laughs> likes to mention. Uh-huh. You know, like I you know I'm the best there is. I come out here and piss excellence, freaking Ricky Bobby over here. But you know, as bad as Tatum was, uh, Jalen Brown that that was as pathetic of a series as you're gonna get from someone of his caliber. I mean, he's kind of exposed. He was kind of exposed in the series Big that time. he's not a He's huge, not a superstar huge, yeah. player. I don't. I don't. I mean, maybe it was just the heat of moment, but I don't agree with you on he can't be a number two. I think he could be a number two. Still so okay, yeah. That I think. So the the whole discourse is that Celtics have a one A and one B. I think at this point, yeah. a lot of people are like, well, no, you have Jason Tatum as your best player. Jalen Brown is a very good player, but he's a drop off. I think yeah. the problem with Jalen Brown is that he doesn't make the team better around him like jason tatum does that but brown doesn't brown is good in his they don't complement each other as talented as they are the 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 great thing about the celtics is that or at least i thought (laughs) before game seven especially was that not only do they have one but they have two superstar talented players that if you know if one guy is not performing the other guy can but but in this game seven, we saw Tatum immediately get hurt. Of course, yeah, right. Thirty seconds in the game, just, first possession. Yeah, like the second that happened, I texted you the you know kid meaning magnifying glass for the ant. And just, yeah, yeah, and I I, I and, don't know why I always downplay like twisted ankles like that in my head. Whenever I'm like, you're a world class athlete. Like, yeah, it hurts, right. but it's like stubbing your toe. And obviously, it's not the case. Like, it did slow him down, but he it, stayed it in the game. Like a he real injury. He wasn't getting a ton of treatment. He stayed in the game. Like, he played a lot, but he was clearly he affected. Through. He played by forty it. plus minutes. Someone needed to but step up. This was this was a golden opportunity for Brown to be the guy because I think Brown, he's someone that wants to be the man. Like, because Tatum gets all the love and Brown. You kind of does doesn't get as much love as Tatum. Yeah. I think rightfully yeah, so think because I, Tatum is the best. Brown player, doesn't have fifty point player. game sevens, but but Brown, you know, he wants to be he wants to be the man, whether that's with Boston or or elsewhere. And this is a golden opportunity to show that he can carry a team uh, to a championship. And he really showed that, you know, when they had to rely on him as the number one guy with Tatum exposed with the injury. He did as poorly of a job as you could possibly do. He was breaking shots everywhere. He was constantly turning over the ball. Eight turnovers in game seven. Yeah, eight, is so, eight, so eight bad. field goals, Wa- eight turnovers. Watching him dribble a basketball is like watching me dribble he a basketball. He can't dribble. Because, he, because, yeah, and I can't either. <laughs> <laughs> but like when, when I dribble a basketball, I mean, I can sort of dribble with my left hand, but it's really my right because if you force me to my left in pickup games, I'm going to fumble the ball and turn it over and give it away. And that's exactly what Brown does. Anytime he dribbles the ball, he it's all you got to do, which is amazing for someone that's a second all NBA player that all you got to do is force the guy to the left and he's going to fumble the ball. And yeah. Away. Yeah. I saw a video with a uh, um, Caleb Martin on Dan Lebitard show a little before we started recording. And they asked when Tatum went down, was the game plan to just force Brown to his left. And he's like, oh, that's always the game plan with Jalen Brown. Just always force him to his left. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my like, God. Just a, it's just a crazy thing like to think that like an NBA player can't dribble a basketball. It's like you kind of take Especially stuff like that for, for granted. For someone that's as good as he is, again, second all-NBA 
player and he's been in the league for seven years now and he's uh, eligible for a super max kind of deal and he can't work on his dribble because it was it's not like look he's dealing with the the hand the wrist injury uh-huh. right so people are making that excuse he was doing that crap before even last, last year, year was a problem was, with him it, yeah so, so it's it's not a new thing i have not i can't think of a time that i've made a quicker turn of feelings on an athlete than i have on jalen brown because really because i can't think of one uh where i've had quicker feelings uh a turnaround on feelings on a player than jimmy butler <laughs> just in the other way we can talk about butler i mean i, I think that i want to focus on the celtics we can talk about i know i just wanted to mention point, jimmy but butler i know i know <laughs> that way. we've had conversations about jimmy um but in terms of jalen brown like i remember the last episode we did it was right after game seven against philly i made a comment that uh, something about the Celtics living and dying by Jason Tatum. And you said, well, Tatum and Brown. And I, I, we didn't really have time to expand upon it. But my mindset was, you know what you're going to get with Brown? He's consistent. Tatum isn't consistent. Brown was always like he, he was going to put up points. He was going to be an asset to this team. And I got to the point where I was almost like, I'd almost rather have him than Tatum, which is it's crazy I, I was, to I was say. At but at a point like times, that too like, because... You know, Brown, he's obviously not as talented as Tatum, but at least I thought, or maybe I still kind of think, he plays a much more of an edge than Tatum does. Like, Tatum yeah. just, he, as talented as he is, he plays with, he, he's he's kind of soft as a player, and he, and it, does, it doesn't seem like things bother him when things go bad, or it doesn't bother him enough. Yeah, I, I guess I've heard conflicting things about that concept, but I think with Tatum, it's just, I, I agree, he's not, like there's something missing with him where it's like he, he's not someone who every single night you can count on to like carry the team in big moments. Some games he can go off and score 51 against Philly in game seven. Other the games frustrating part about him is his not floor. Like his ceiling is as good as arguably anyone in the league, but his floor, you'd like, <laughs> you'd like to, that, that game six versus Philly, the first three quarters exactly. is as three bad points as in three a, quarters. Yeah. Like, You'd you'd want to see Tatum have a higher floor and more consistency. Yeah, and but I th- yeah he is all over the place. Yeah, I think that's part of it. Whereas like Brown doesn't have as high of a ceiling, but to me he has a higher floor than Tatum does. But just the way the series played out, Jalen Brown was a liability. He was so bad game after game after game. He yeah, had his it moments. Wasn't, he had his moments. It wasn't where just it was game seven. No, because game. Game two was really game bad. two was yeah minus twenty four yeah in that game that that was the moment where I was like all right this is like this is a problem that was when I started to sour on him and then as the series played out it didn't really change a ton for me like you could still see a lot of the issues there but then game seven was just icing on the cake where like you said right. this was a moment for him to step up Jason Tatum is hurt you be the guy you carry this team to the NBA finals and he has one of the worst showings that you've seen of a player supposedly of a superstar caliber in game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. And for someone that maybe rightfully so hates all the trade rumors with him going for KD or whomever, you didn't shut that down in game no. seven. You only made it worse uh-huh. for yourself. Yes. Yeah, now there's all these talks worse. about like, are you, is he going to get traded for Lillard? Is he even going to get the Supermax? Uh, like what's going to happen with, with Brown? Mm-hmm. So that those talks are only going to get ramped up even more 
<laughs> yeah, no, um, and I, I think it's it's fair, and I, I don't know if you're ready to kind of jump into that conversation sure. like while we're I, here. I, I mean, <laughs> Jalen Brown, I think, it, like I said, I, I have not done a quicker turnaround on a player that I can think of, and I went from he's the guy that you know you can build around to, like, I'm all aboard, like, I, I'm done with this guy. It, 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 I think it's an emotional response. I think it's early on. I don't know if I'll feel the same way in a month when, you know, July June 30th, July 1st, time frame hits but my mindset right now is i don't care like i don't know the perfect solution but i'd be all for trading him over signing to a 295 million dollar supermax deal that'll completely hamstring this team for years to come right see i'm someone that i've been more positive on jalen brown than you where when the trade rumors happened with kd i was more against it because i think you just have so much longer of a window with with brown even though he's not as talented and I still kind of believe that even with the, you know, the Lillard rumors are, are going to ramp up this summer. But, you know, when it comes to Jalen Brown, it's just, man, like that, like that was as poor of a performance as you can get in at the worst possible time. And another thing about Jalen Brown that I kind of realized, so like game two, you talked about how like that's when you started having thoughts. Mm-hmm. One thing I realized about Jalen Brown, he's sneaky, kind of a shitty teammate because in game two, too we saw him we, we we saw in the fourth quarter grant williams you know get it in with jimmy butler yep like, like, all the fighting yeah yeah did. that was and, you know, that big moment and and look grant williams is a clown <laughs> like <laughs> in the, even though he provided great minutes off the bench yeah like he can be he could be out there at times and what he did you know poking the bear with jimmy butler yeah like it's not a great look on grant williams part but dude, you got to have your teammates back. And then so when he, when he was asked about, like, what did Grant Williams poke the bear in that moment? And he's just like, next question. Like, he, like that's just such a bad look. Even, even if you think Grant Williams is wrong and he's an idiot for doing what he did to Jimmy Butler – uh, you still got to have your teammates back. And I just thought that was such a poor look. Yeah. So I think a lot of people were quick to blame Grant Williams in that game too. I was just like, I, I don't care this whole poking the bear thing. Jimmy Butler just, he, he could have easily been stopped still like, okay, he stepped up, whatever. I think that Grant Williams provided a moment of tough toughness and things that the Celtics were lacking. And then Butler stepped up and, Yes, he ended up carrying the heat, but the the Celtics. Jimmy Butler is going to back up his trash talk while Grant Williams is not, and someone has to cover for that. And so I get the frustration. Right. And I get the frustration towards Williams, but. I blame blame your stars, particularly Jalen Brown. Like you said, minus 24 in that game. Yeah. Again, the, the Heat, they're not as talented, but they. They're led by Jimmy Butler, and he instills so much confidence into the rest of the locker room that like that Heat culture is a real thing. While the Celtics are just a bunch of talented in- individuals with with big egos that yep. can't really play as a team for and the it, most part. And I think Brown is the embodiment of that. Uh, I saw a stat. This was completely based off of a Twitter reply, so I don't know if it's a hundred percent true, but basically what he was saying was saying when both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are on the court, the Celtics are a top three offense and a top three defense. When Jalen Brown is on the court and Jason Tatum is not on the court, the Celtics I think are still a top three offense, but they're a bottom 20 defense and then when Jalen Jason Tatum is on and Jalen Brown is off they're number one offense number one in defense so Jalen Brown is negligible 
in terms of offense, if anything, slightly worse. And his defense is significantly worse. And I think that just shows also that Jason Tatum, he's the guy. He's someone you need to continue to build around. Like He's the type of player who should be getting that type of super max extension. But it also tells me that Jalen Brown isn't deserving of that. Like He's not the kind of player who elevates his team and his teammates. He's just like a number two guy. And the only reason why he's going to be eligible for this, he's a second team All-NBA. He's not a top 10 player. He just... Play, he stays on the court more than a lot of these other superstars. And yeah, a lot of superstars just take time off. Yeah, they get hurt, you know, load management. Like that was a big factor that kind of pushed him up into the all NBA voting. But it just puts the Celtics in this really difficult position where do you just give him a Supermax extension and hope that they figure it out? Because I do believe this team can still win a title. I mean, they've come so close, but at the same time, this you're gonna really put yourselves in a bad position in the next few years and just banking on being able to trade the contract for something different like it I don't know if that's like the best approach here see I don't know if Tatum like he he has to be the guy Mm -hmm. but I don't know if I don't know if I believe he can help you know be the number one guy on a championship team I mean he has to be though but it's just that game proved that I don't know if Tatum can but we that game proved that Jalen Brown can't. He can't be the guy. That, like, it has to be Tatum. That's fair. I do think Tatum can. I do think Tatum is. A I'm top sure. Yeah. Player. Maybe it'll take time because he is. 24. People have mentioned that. Hey, Jordan and Pippen. It took them six or seven years to win a title, and then yeah, and I, Curry and Thompson. It took them six or seven years to win a title as well. But look, Jalen Brown has to. He has to accept his that he's the the second guy. Like, I, I look when it comes to Curry and Thompson. Obviously, there's a bigger talent discrepancy or bigger talent gap than there is to Tatum and Brown but when, when the Warriors won the championship that first time and Clay was t- talking about how great this organization is and I get to play with the best basketball player in the world this guy to my right <laughs> so he's someone that accepts his role and Brown has to accept that he's the second guy on the team and he can't be maybe maybe he'll come to realization after that horrible performance he had in game seven but I don't know yeah, I mean, it'll be telling if the Celtics do offer him some type of extension, whether it is the Supermax or some number below that. If he just turns it down, then you kind of be like, all right, he's gone. We have to trade him. But, um, you know, the idea of him accepting it, I, I don't love it right now. I would much rather see the Celtics just do something yes. Different. Yeah, seeing those because, numbers that he can make as much as sixty six million a year, yeah, and whatever that last year is, that's that's uh, it's insane. That's so much, it's uh-huh. insane. And yeah. and look, when he first got that extension um, on his rookie deal, I think it was four for one ten. There was a lot of talks about, oh, is he really deserving of this right now? They couldn't wait. He was going to become a restricted free agent if they didn't pay him when they did because of the contract rules in the NBA. But at the time, I was like, okay, yeah, he's coming off a rough, you know, disappointing playoff performance. So the whole team sucked in 2019. There was a Kyrie Irving effect. That was the worst year of <laughs> Yeah. Mean, oh, that was This might be the lowest point just given how, you know, the golden opportunity that there was to beat the Heat and make it to the finals, but that 2019 was uh, that like that they were hateable yes, from start to They finish. were everything about them. They were just such an unlikable team. And I think the whole idea of Jalen Brown getting that money when you really thought about it is like, okay, he's so young. This is going to end up being a steal. The fact that they didn't have to give a number three overall pick, like a, a max contract, they were able to get this kind of deal, and it proved to be the case. So 
maybe it's something he can continue to get to that point. But I can't help but feel like in my casual NBA fan who watches very little regular season and only playoffs, that he's a regress. Because like last year with Jalen Brown, it was, okay, great offensive player, great defensive player. He just can't dribble and he turns the ball over way too much. And now this year, he still can't dribble. He still turns the ball over way too much. His defense has gone down. And now he's a liability on both ends yeah. of the floor. <laughs> so I just like, I don't want to buy into this idea that, oh, you just got to, you know, hope and believe that he's going to be better at age 27 and 28 than he is at 26. See, there, there's a part of me that, that thinks that because when you say, oh, well, who, if you're going to trade him, who are you going to get? And that I is a thing. Think of no, that. you're right. That's that the is, problem is that, that is I don't know who that, that, that guy is. There's not or, or a clear, guys, so there, there's a lot of different ways you can break it down. One of the arguments is why would you trade Jalen Brown for Damian Lillard and just end up in the same position financially where you have two super max players, you're going to have the same restrictions as the new CBA, and you have a shorter window, shorter window, yes. But then you can also say, well, Damian Lillard has that killer instinct you're talking about. He has that, he has that killer he instinct, has and moments. he doesn't have a ring. He stepped up in the playoffs exactly. He has the hunger. He's someone that. Yeah, maybe there's you're no sac- BS with Lillard. It's all about basketball with him. But then you also factor in, okay, he's a 33 year old point guard that's getting up there, and we've seen a different point guard like Kemba Walker. I know he's not as good of a player, but he did. But he was he, he was a likable guy, really the score bad. first kind of point guard. Uh-huh. But after one year, the knee problems were a he huge just wasn't issue, the same player. You thought and he, he wasn't, wasn't ever the him. same player, and mm-hmm. that was a disaster of a contract. I'll admit, I was in favor of that deal. But it turned out to be a disaster uh, after after just one year, and I don't want to say the exact same thing would happen with Lillard, but that would give me. Yeah, pause. I, I don't think it'll get that bad if if uh, right. they were to make the deal. But I I understand. I get the concept. It's like okay, well, instead you're gonna have a 37 year old making 60 million dollars instead of a 30 year old making 60 million dollars or whatever the the ages are on those contracts. So I, I get that. And then there's the other Portland trade scenario where Portland's like, no, we don't want to trade Lillard. We want to trade the number we three trade pick. The third pick. And then you get third pick, Anthony Simon, Shaden Sharp. And it's like, okay, well, Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller, both of them are viewed very highly. But what does that do to your team? You might lengthen the window, but you're also taking a huge risk that you're they're not able to. You're also taking a step back and you're kind of restarting. And uh-huh. I would want an established player in the league. And then, yeah, so at that point, you kind of look at maybe the the happy medium would be sending him to his hometown of Atlanta, Deontay Murray, Sadiq Bay, John Collins. Like there's a lot of different names that are thrown out there, but it's like, does this, what does that do? And I, I get it. Like none of these trade scenarios you look at is like, yes, the Celtics put themselves in a better position to win now, win long-term and then not having to worry about the money. But one thing that kind of comes down to this whole concept for me and it was something that I thought last year when it was Jalen Brown for Kevin Durant is everyone is so focused in these trade scenarios on title number two title number three you gotta win one first and it's getting to the point where it's like okay we're gonna keep dragging this out I thought by now the Celtics would have won a championship they're supposed to be the best team in 2019 they should have at least won one by another one by immediately they they just have this drop off things go sour 2021 losing the first round but then they get to the finals last year and it's like okay great they're knocking on the doorstep and if if the Celtics lost to Milwaukee on the road in game seven then it's like all right that sucks but you're going up against the team you're going to continue to have these fights with them but losing to the Miami Heat as much as we respect the Heat Miami is an eight eight seed seed. yeah they're not a good basketball team 
they're they're not like I watched them play and I'm like this, this team isn't good like they're they're winning because all these undrafted players you keep hearing that phrase thrown out there they keep hitting division all these two, big shots three. yeah right they they're all these role players they keep making all these threes they keep stepping up in these moments and they they came together as a team heat culture whatever you want to throw out there yeah Jimmy I, Butler, I, all that I, stuff but all the respect to the heat but you should the Celtics should beat them in not only beat them, but in like a five game series. Yeah, yeah, and it, it just feels like this team take took a step backward. And I don't know that the East is going to have like a ton of other contenders next year. I don't know that Nick Nurse going to Philly all of a sudden makes the Sixers any different than they've been with the last two head coaches. And uh, you know, Milwaukee is a new coach now. I don't know if uh, Adrian Griffin, never been a head coach, if he's going to be like the the missing piece that you know Mike Budenholzer zero adjustments couldn't be. There's, I think there's a lot of question marks about. Plenty of other teams in the East. So the Celtics could easily run it back, still be the best team, still find themselves in the finals, and maybe be able to win it with this roster. But it it's just it just time feels after like after time. Yeah. It, it's, you know? they still they still fall short. Yeah. And you you just keep waiting for them to to mature and and and, and not have the same crap happen over and over and over again. And mm-hmm. it still continues to happen because we've seen them lose in big playoff games in the past and and we say to ourselves, well, oh, well, you know, Tatum and Brown, they're young and they'll 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 mature and they'll learn how to win. And we're now in year six and seven and the same they, the same qualities are still there when it comes to those guys where even though they're better players, they still don't really know how to finish the deal. Yeah. Yeah, I know, and it's getting frustrating, and I'm just starting to wonder, like, is this going to happen? Like, I get the idea of hoping and praying and, you know, being like, oh, how cool would it be if the two Jays finally win a championship together? And I'm not saying it can't happen, but it's there's, just getting to no the point. There's no shame in losing to Golden State. But no, losing, there's shame in losing. But after losing, losing to Golden State <laughs> and having that taste, uh, that, that bad taste, like, oh, man, we were so close, unfinished business, and then, then you lose to a team that's, not nearly as no, good. Fall behind three yeah. zero, come all the way back, and then just get blown out on your home court in Game Seven. It, it's it's something. It's gonna elicit a just lot of just the way they carried themselves but... after that too. And look, when 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 they announced that Derek White's shot was good, tenth of a second. <laughs> uh-huh. Look, yeah, I, I, I'd be celebrating too. I was texting you and others like, "Let's go! Like here we go! Like this is this is gonna be great. One more game, and we're gonna be in the finals." Yeah, but. Yeah, the way they carry themselves, they act like they just won it all. And and it wasn't even just that series. I remember after Game 7 versus Philly, uh, there were r- reports that in practice, Al Horford, the veteran that he is, had to stop practice because of all the BS that was going on in the practice like, and lack of focus. And it's like, yeah, they think after one moment of success that they're just going to roll over these teams, and they don't. Yeah, I mean, it almost sounds like a lot of that is just not taking Miami seriously, both before the series and even during the series. So, right, yeah, it's just it's really frustrating, and you know, I think you know, the, the, we're two days removed. It's less than forty hours at the time, forty-eight hours I, at the time. And recording, I still, so. and I'm still mad about it. Yeah. Oh, of course. So I think. Uh, you know, there's gonna be more time to kind of like really sit back and think and see how the you know the front office approaches things. I think. What is your thought on Joe Mazzullo right now? Because I know you and I have both been out at at various points, but after yeah, it, when it comes to Mazzullo, I'll I'll look at both sides of it. Where look, he was thrown into the a really really poor situation and really didn't know he was even going to be the head coach until 
less you know, than a month time, before the season. At, yeah. Right. At a really, really, really critical time. And there wasn't really much of a staff, like assistant mm-hmm. coaches wise, like veteran coaches on that staff. So it's really yeah, just all, Missoula. All of the assistants. And, and now all the assistants are going with Ime <laughs> yeah, to Houston. So, uh-huh. so I think about it, like did he, what Ime did, was it even that bad if his assistants are willing to go to Houston right. to pair up with him again? So like, I don't, I don't know. That looks, that looks really bad right now. And look, again, when it comes to Missoula, he was throwing, thrown into a bad situation. And, you know, coincidentally, the team that they just faced led by Eric Spolstra. I remember when he first started as a coach, uh, the not his very first year, but in the beginning of his head coaching career, they formed the big three with LeBron, yeah, Wade, and it was Bosch, what year two and they or had three a, for him. They had a really poor start, like for their talent. Yeah, they they were like they, a five hundred team. Off to a really team. rocky start, uh, and all behind the scenes, maybe not in front of the cameras, but behind the scenes, they didn't want him as their coach. They wanted him gone, and they wanted they wanted Pat, Pat Riley, Riley to come down yeah. or or uh, someone else to lead them. And Pat Riley stayed to his guns, like, no, this is our guy, and we believe in him, and. And look at him now. He's he's led the Heat now to multiple championships. But even after LeBron left, he's led them to multiple multiple finals appearances now. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a credit to him, and, and but a credit to Riley for sticking with him. And Brad Stevens, when they hired Joe Missoula as the head coach, Brad's like, no, this is our guy, and we believe in him. And well, really, Brad does. And and maybe as time goes on, maybe Missoula will learn. The, you know, to be a better head coach, um, and yeah, I think it, learn it, learn to handle things better offensively, defensively, and timeouts and all that. Yeah, stepping and, up and like recognizing the playoff moments, and yeah, I mean, th- there's a, a horrible of... interviewer though. <laughs> it just yeah, it's like he was asked like, "Do you are you guys too reliant on the three? No, no. Like, what are you talking about? Like, did you even watch the game? Like, yeah, of course <laughs> you guys are too too reliant on the three. Uh huh. No, like, and the I, first I, step in the first step in I. In solving a problem is identifying it, and it looks like he didn't even identify the problem. I with give the him, I give him credit for taking ownership in terms of like saying game three, I just didn't have this team ready to go. But it's also like a really bad look at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it's it's great that he stepped up for them, but at the same time, you know, Ime when he was the head coach, anytime the Celtics players would would be a complete no show, he would call them out, and it was refreshing mm-hmm. for a coach to actually call out a call out the players because look brad sharp basketball mind great in college and i believe he's a sharp basketball coach but the thing that brad lacked was handling egos in the locker room it was just a complete mess on that on that part of it and i'm sure that's part of the reason why he doesn't coach anymore is because he couldn't take it Uh anymore and they just completely tuned him out and so yeah, I think Missoula, I get that he's defending his guys, like he said in Game 3, but I think at, at the same time he needs to be more critical of his players. And maybe he does that behind the scenes, but I, I don't know. It's it's tough when you're 34 years old, you're a first-time head coach. And I, I think I agree. I kind of see both ends to it. I think on the one hand, the biggest argument for keeping Joe Missoula is continuity. It would be four head coaches in four years. Instead of replacing him, just bring in – experienced assistant coaches to work with him. I don't necessarily who the, know who those are. It Does it make sense to go out and get like a Mike Budenholzer, recently fired head coach, oh, or Frank Vogel, that. right? It's, it's, I don't know. The, Someone who's like puts pressure. That, they need a coach that the players would take seriously, that has credentials, that played in the league. And Well, I know Missoula didn't play in the league, but... <laughs> a guy like Damon Sodemeyer. Yeah, something who's, like that. Who's on I guess. the roster? Well, I mean, he's Georgia on- Tech now, but yeah, he was right. the assistant until March when they hired him. 
Um, yeah, I, I think that there's probably a lot of different directions to go in terms of like a main associate head coach. And then, of course, the argument for firing him is, look, he's put in this tough spot. Like, you get it. It's fair to have these, like, low expectations, whatever. But this is a team that... But he's also in over his head. They're they're in a (laughs) win-now mode. And, like, you can't wait for him to grow into this role is, like, a lot of the mindset, which also goes against the whole idea of if you're in win-now mode and you need to replace your head coach, then shouldn't you also be willing to trade Jalen Brown for a Damian Lillard like player and not worry about a few years down the road if you think that he gives you a better chance to win a title next year. So I don't know what to think at this point. I mean it does sound like Brad Stevens is a big Joe Missoula fan. I think if they got swept, then they're probably getting rid yeah, of the, him. There'd be more questions they, about if if he was the right guy or not. I yeah, guess the he, fact that they still fought he, hard and the came back. The fact all that the they fought back, for him still uh, I, you could say that that might have saved his job, and and Brad's gonna stick with him. But regardless, they gotta they gotta add more to that coaching staff. Even if yep. even if Joe Missoula is still the head coach, mm-hmm. yeah, no, gotta, he needs more help. I mean, apparently, yeah. if all the assistants, which you is Houston, which is obvious, so. <laughs> but it it is kind of amazing that he really didn't have that much help uh-huh. uh, on the coaching staff, just given that some guys. With Ime suspended or uh, Will Hardy? Yeah, Will Hardy Utah, going right? to Utah, and then yeah, Damon Sodmeyer going to Georgia Tech midseason. Right. So yeah, no, it was a tough spot to be in, and he's someone who like I don't want his like career to be over because of you know being put in this situation prematurely. But it's also one of those things where you gotta be like, do we have time you need for a patience? Coach, like or... you said, that the, the Celtics are in win now mode, and it's kind of hard waiting for a coach to grow into his role when. Mm-hmm. You need a coach that uh, is going to get the most out of the players. Yep. Yep. So I guess we'll see what ends up happening there. I think it'll be some time before any type of official decision gets made there. I don't think that they're going to overreact too quickly. I mean, it took the Sixers two days to fire Doc Rivers when the writing was on the wall. So I think the Celtics will take their time with this decision. It's kind of like a Jalen Brown thing, though, where, okay, if you trade him, who are you going to trade him for? Okay, well, if you fire Joe Mazzulla, what's the plan? Like, who's going to be the next guy? And yeah, I and just don't a lot of the options that. are being filled. Like, Monty Williams sounds like Detroit. Monty Williams is, is, looks like he's going to go to Detroit uh-huh. now for a big payday. And and then and then Doc, <laughs> look, yeah, Doc just is someone bring that... Him back. Doc, yeah, like, that would be such a bad luck to just bring him back after uh-huh. him just leaving and... Being but, bad after leaving. Like. But... When the Celtics formed that big three, and yeah, they had all that talent, but he he was a guy that the coach took the the players took seriously, and maybe the players on the Celtics would as well. That hey, like, hey, I've I've been through this, I've done this, I've won, uh, and and maybe you could command the locker room. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that I, I'm against it, but I'm uh, I'm just trying to play. It's just like the idea of like, here, yeah, like, I know I've lost ten game sevens. I've that's blown the thing is that he's lost like all these game sevens, but... and there's also a track record of yeah, just choking and losing as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, it is the Celtics. Popovich a... would be nice, but I'm that, sure he, that would be I'm sure he's not going to go anywhere, after... especially with Wembenyama. Yeah, I know. Well, the, the latest rumors that I've heard is that he's going to stick around long enough uh, for Steve Kerr to take Steve over Kerr his contract. Yeah. 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 I mean, Golden State, like they, they have questions. There are a lot of teams that are not entering this off season feeling like the greatest and like having a lot of uncertainty with their future. And Celtics are one of it's, those teams. So speaking of Golden State, uh, you know, the pl- the Celtics, they could use someone that has, again, has an edge. And look, Draymond is, <laughs> I don't know if he'll be in Golden State, but, you know, it, part of me thinks they'd be great. 
he has a name for it i'm like i'm like the one guy that is a Celtics fan that actually likes Draymond. maybe you do too but (laughs) i yeah i mean i i i've been torn on him i like the concept of Draymond. i think that i like him to an extent, but I also can't help but look back on that game. But he's four also a declining against, player. Well, the game four like, against if he's LeBron. He's a declining player, like, and he's, you know, that the the crazy guy he is in the locker room, and especially with the way their year started and ended with the whole Jordan Poole thing. Like maybe it would just be more chaos, like instead of more more <laughs> uh-huh. of an edge. I don't know. More killer yeah, I don't know maybe that... it would just be more chaos, and it'd just be even worse for the. Celtics. I'm not sure that he's the guy <laughs> that the Celtics need, but like I get from like that type of player. One guy that I I keep going back to is Jay Crowder. Now he's coming off a really oh, strange on. season with Phoenix and Milwaukee, but I feel like he could add some he's things. A, or... He's another guy that Jay Crowder is. It's, it's it's like Smart and Grant, where the talent ego ratio is so out of whack. <laughs> I'm 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 out on Jay Crowder. No, that, that's I, guess I, that's I do fair. know what you mean, but uh-huh. I I can't take those guys like Smart and Grant. It, although those guys were positives in this series, unlike Brown. Yeah. Oh, they definitely were. Like, it's... like I I'm the biggest Smart hater, but I can't help but say that he was a a great positive in mm-hmm. the series. Yeah. Oh, uh, he was he was part. very good. Although in I did series. hate uh, him. He'd rather complain to the ref than contest a shot, even though that was a clear double dribble on Caleb Martin. It's still uh, not great. Yeah, but, I mean, officiating was definitely had had some interesting moments throughout the series. I don't blame officiating at I all. I don't blame officiating because I think either, it was bad on both sides. But like, I don't blame officiating either. But it was kind of odd to see that game seven, huh? Scott Foster, Tony Brothers, <laughs> and then this John Goble guy who apparently is from Miami. Oh, really? And gave this weird tech to Tatum in the regular season. It's just like, wow, we got the trifecta of suck here for the Celtics. Well, I heard, I, I think I saw a stat that Tony Brothers, like the Heat are 0-10 when he officiates yeah, the stat, games. So I looked this up is the stats first too, win? and I looked up the stats too and it actually benefited the Celtics, but it's just like Tony Brothers has a history with that team too that yeah, I feel yeah, like he has a history with every team. That's hey, man's got Foster. Has a everybody because he's crazy. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, but, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame the refs though. Like the the Heat outplayed the Celtics yeah. for seven games. Yep. Well, not for the majority of the seven games, of course. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. So and now their uh, prize is a trip to Denver to take on the Nuggets in the NBA Finals and. I think that there's a lot of people trying to say that Miami has a chance just because they have they keep winning all these series like they they Against fight teams tooth that and are nail. Than them yeah, yeah, and like okay, sure, but I look at this series in a similar way that I looked at that Nuggets Lakers Western Conference Finals, which we didn't really get a chance to talk much about that. Denver ends up pulling <sighs> off a sweep. There's really nothing to talk uh, about. Uh, after even after after one game, I realized like <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get that one right. <laughs> like, I didn't uh, think it'd be a sweep, but after one game, even even with the comeback, even with the Lakers comeback, after one game, I'm just like, yeah, yeah Denver's going to win the yeah. series. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I think my mindset going into that series was, yes, the Lakers played really well in the first two rounds. Like, they look like a legitimate team, but they didn't play anybody close to as good as the Nuggets. And I think that the Nuggets are the best team in basketball. And game one will be a big indicator. The whole rest versus rest debate, Miami having to go out to the altitude. How's that going to play out? But this is a series that I I do think Denver ends up winning. And if not four games and five games. Okay. Well, I like Denver as well, but I'll, because I respect Miami too much, I'll say like six. Okay. I I, look, I lean the six seven way than uh-huh. some of the four or five because I, I seen a lot of four and five because yeah Denver is a lot better of a basketball team but I've seen it too many times of Miami them putting up a fight that I'll just say 
six. No, and, th- and that's fair. I thought the Bucks would be them. I, I thought I can't the pick Knicks, Miami. Uh, I can't do that. I can't go that far with it. I Jimmy Butler is awesome. He he really is. He, the guy is such a winner. Even though he doesn't have a championship, he probably won't after this series either. But he, that dude gets the most out of um, not only himself but the team that he's surrounded by. Yep. And I I can't help but look back at a comment after they won the series versus Boston, and he talked about how you know everyone has a a role to play. And but I don't look at these guys as role players. I look at these guys as my te- like teammates and showing that every single one of these guys, maybe even Haslam, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that all these guys on our team are pl- play a valuable role uh, for Miami. And I, I don't know. I just respect the Heat culture uh, too much to, to just say it's going to be an easy sweep. But I do think Denver is a lot better, much much deeper, and I can't help but think Jokic versus Adebayo. I just think Jokic is going to absolutely destroy Adebayo because Adebayo was not good. No, in he this was he was really bad. Boston, yeah, which makes it even worse for the Celtics standpoint because uh-huh. I remember in the bubble Adebayo had a lot of great plays, including that block in the bubble versus Tatum. But the fact that your second best player, an All Star player, was a kind of a no show for the most part. Uh, it just just makes that loss even worse for Boston, and I I don't think Adebayo versus Jokic is that's a complete mismatch in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that Bam has uh, he's been disappointing, and like Heat have had enough players step up. I'm curious to see how things continue to play out because Caleb Martin has had a good playoffs, but he was really good in the Eastern Conference Finals. Like he was not putting up 26 and 10 every single game against Milwaukee and New York. Uh, I don't know if Tyler Hero is going to play or if he's going to continue to just dress I, I, weird on the sideline. Game three is when he could come back. Game three, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. But even so, even if, even if Tyler Hero is there, fully healthy, it's still think Denver is a much better team. Yeah, I do too. I, 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 but with that being said, I'm not going to give the Heat a 3% chance <laughs> uh, like that stupid ESPN <laughs> analytics stat that had their chances versus Boston. But, yeah, I, I do well, take I them would... more seriously. I'll say that. But I also just I, I think very highly of this Denver Nuggets team. I think that the past two years there has been a lot of hate toward them. But it's like, oh, like, remember I... Jamal Murray in the bubble? Like, yeah, he's still that good of a player. He just didn't play in the playoffs. So I, I like I like this matchup. If it weren't for me being a butthurt Celtics fan, <laughs> I, I would love this matchup because uh-huh. you got two teams that are look, even though Denver's a one seed, they've been kind of overlooked. And still yeah, kind of are. They still are. Because after Denver beat the Lakers, all people could talk about was, oh, is LeBron going to retire? Yeah, right. Is he not going to retire? Like, the, just... the, the Denver Nuggets just won the West Finals. Like, they just won the so, Western Conference. So obnoxious. And all people could talk about was freaking LeBron. Some uh, he's not serious about it. Obviously, he's not no. serious about it. Play like it's an emotional comment that you hear from players all the time. But of course, that's the story, and that's not how if great Denver was. If there's anything that we've learned about LeBron in 20 years of being in the NBA is that he's a drama queen. Yeah, he wants to he be needs the center the spotlight. of attention. Yep. He's he should serious. I'm I'm not even joking when I say this. Kind of joking, but he should teach a class, be a professor, and teach the the class called controlling the narrative 101. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, oh, he does it better than anyone because he does that better than anybody. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So. I, I do agree with you. There's also the history with these teams. I, I don't remember if it was last year or two years ago with Markeith Morris on the Heat and the Jokic brothers, like everything that happened there with like them getting into this big fight. Um, and then and then we saw this year Jimmy Butler shouting 
at the Nuggets bench. Was that this year, or was that was that also? Or yeah, was that the same day? It might have been, been the same. I think it was the same game. It like, the same I think it was just one apologies. game that, but they might have okay. continued to have that battle going, and you know when they played each other again, there there is a history between these two teams. Okay, so. it, yeah, it, I looked. Yeah, it, it was the same game. Okay, my bad. Yeah, so I think that uh, th- this this will be an interesting series. Um, I am going to watch. I think that the fact that the games start at eight thirty instead of nine o'clock, it's it's a little different, but it's enough to you know be willing to stay up, especially you know some of these midweek games. But at the same time, I'm not overly excited because the Celtics aren't in it and it sucks. I'm not gonna boycott the finals, but that loss was so bad for me that. I, I don't know how much of it I can watch again. Yeah, I'm, no, and that's I'm fair. Hurt, yeah, <laughs> but but uh-huh. but it, it's just too it's just too much pain. Just seeing, just seeing that they lost, and I think it I think it'll be a better finals than people give it credit for the matchup and true basketball uh, fans. I, w- I will watch. I will watch when, that. assuming it's Denver that gets the the first three games, like the first of three wins. Mm-hmm. I will watch when it's you know fourth quarter deciding game. Yep. Same. Like, I'm not going to completely boycott it or anything like <laughs> uh-huh. that, but I don't know if I, I I can't handle watching all 48 minutes of every game. Yeah, I mean, it's I, too much pain. I I agree with that. I don't know that I'm necessarily going to be like actively turning it on, like not focusing on anything else. But I do think I'm going to at least tune in. I'll be aware of what's going on, and if I don't have right. a reason for it to not be on the TV, it'll be on. So, right. That's that's kind of how I'm I am as well. Yep. So. Um, and I guess, you know, with that, we can talk about the other sport that is also in the finals. It also features a team from South Florida that was a very unlikely, you know, had to barely get in the playoffs. And now here they are there, in the finals, the Florida Panthers. There are two eight seed Florida teams in the finals because two Boston teams that were the odds on favorites to win the the final, the mm-hmm. championship, the Stanley Cup, whatever you want to call it. Blew it in Game Seven at home, at home yep. to a Florida team. The Panthers and Heat had just as many wins as the Bruins and Celtics at home in the playoffs. That is pathetic. Wow, <laughs> yeah, that's not a joke uh, either. And then, and that is, and that that's also including the the fact that the Celtics had two extra series against non Florida teams. Yeah, true. Wow, because they sucked uh, just at home couldn't. In both yeah, can't win too. at home. Yeah, no, I didn't see that stat, but yeah, I mean the, the Panthers. So you can say that they're here because of the Bruins. You know the that Penguins lost to the Blackhawks. It, it rewrote NHL history, at least for the time being. It, it's crazy the butterfly effect we've seen. Whereas like, wow, the Penguins yeah, the- suck, and then all of a sudden Florida. So Penguins fired the GM. Florida gets in. They beat Boston. They beat Toronto. Toronto gets rid of Kyle Dubas. They beat Carolina, who was killing it in the first two rounds. They get swept. And now Florida's in the, the finals. And I don't know if it's going to happen. There's a lot of rumors about Pittsburgh hiring Dubas. Like, the whole butterfly effect is pretty crazy. But, uh, yeah, obviously, from your perspective, with the Bruins being a big part of it, tying in the whole Boston-Miami thing, it, it's uh, it's, cra- it's crazy. So Yeah, that, that <laughs> it's, it's just so brutal that – and and looking at this series, uh, <laughs> you either are going to have the team that beat you in the first round win it all, or it's going to be the team led by a coach that you got rid of yeah, winning uh-huh. it all. So it's kind of a loss either way. Look, when it comes to the, the Panthers, there are Bruins fans that are saying that, oh, well, if Florida wins, that makes me feel better because they the Bruins lost to a, you know, a team that won it all. And 
makes you feel a little bit better about the Bruins losing. No, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't do you, that for me. No, yeah. it makes it, it makes me feel worse. It just makes me feel like they should they should be the ones in this position, unlike Florida. And I think the biggest argument to it is Florida has gotten to this point in the past two rounds. Yes, Matthew Kachuk and other players have been heroes. Sergey Bobrovsky has been the hot goalie. Like he stepped up. He wasn't that goalie in the he Boston series. From, he went from being having one of the worst contracts, if not the worst one, in the whole league to just coming out of nowhere and being the man again. Yeah. Because, like you said, he wasn't even that good in the beginning of the Bruins series. He, but well, he didn't even play game, in game one and two or whatever. Like, they had a right, different was, goalie was out Ly- there. It was the Lion King uh-huh. in, in goal. Uh, but, yeah, Bobrovsky. And he didn't even have good game six. It's just that Allmark was much worse. Yeah, it was, what, uh, eight so, to six or something? Yeah, like seven to five, eight to six, something like that. But, yeah, like, ever since then, he's just been the man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, winning winning four overtime hockey games that was absurd yeah they won 11 of their last 12 games in the playoffs he's he's been insane I, to me he if the panthers win the stanley cup is deserving of the consmith you know kachuk's getting a lot of love but i think that no, bobrovsky has put would, him in position to be the hero depending how this series goes look because kachuk could just be all worldly he and could yeah a bunch of goals and, and then and then win it but if if at this point, Bobrovsky has been the biggest reason why they made it to the final. Yeah, and I guess, so my mindset going into this series is, as much as I say that, I think I'm leaning toward Vegas because Florida's had such a gap in terms of playing. Like, when they play game one on Saturday night, it'll be their first game since, I think, like the previous Wednesday or Thursday. They'll have had 10 days off. So I think that the the hot goaltender has had a lot of time to cool off and then all of a sudden that's going to shift things in Vegas's favor who like the heat tried to blow a three nothing lead and then went on the road it was game six instead of game seven and just stomped on the Dallas Stars so uh, that that's my mindset going into this is that Florida's only going to win if Bobrovsky stays hot and I just feel like there's been too much time off for him to remain hot that's a good no that's a good point and to, I'll admit to cross sports, I give the Panthers a better chance of winning their final than the Heat do versus the Nuggets. Yeah, same. But I also, I also lean Vegas uh, in this series, and probably I would say six or maybe even seven. Honestly, I, I think it's I think it, I think it's a just like the NBA one where I think it's a even as bad as it was in the you know like the, the conference finals where it's like oh golden knights stars and panthers and hurricanes it's more it's mostly stars and hurricanes that i'm like out <laughs> on but uh-huh. i think i think the panthers have proven that they're legit and the golden yep. knights i've always been high on so the, the final as bad as bad as the conference finals matchups where it's i i like this final again same thing though if i weren't a butthurt bruins fan i would probably watch more of it but it's like oh, it's just <laughs> too painful uh, uh, but again, I, I won't boycott it. Boycott it. I'll, I will watch uh, a chunk of it. And but I do like Vegas. I I do think they have more offensive firepower. And I I do think I think they're better on both ends. And their defense again, is incredible. Like, yeah, and and I agree with you that it really comes down to Bobrovsky, uh, still remaining a hot goaltender. And I do agree that even though rest, I think, is better than momentum. Uh, in this case, it might not be mm-hmm. because of their goaltender being as good as he's been. Yeah, maybe the maybe the rest will will uh or the maybe the, yeah the too much of a rest will hurt them. Yeah, I have 
conflicting viewpoints where I think the rest is huge for Denver against Miami, but I think the rest is bad for Florida against Vegas. And it just when when the Bruins played the Blues in the final, the Bruins swept Carolina and Mm -hmm. had all this time off and the Blues played a a six game series and they had less rest, but obviously didn't benefit uh, the Bruins as much as uh, I wanted in that series. (laughs) Uh Yeah. So I agree that I think it probably if benef- the rest probably benefits you. I don't know if I don't know if that's true. I would think it benefits, benefits players other than the goalie, but that is one where it it feels like a momentum thing, and maybe that's just like this narrative that gets tossed around every single year come hockey playoff time. Right. But that's just kind of the way that I'm looking at it. Is I'm like I don't know that him not playing for ten days is a recipe for him remaining the goaltender he's been for the past month as opposed to the guy he's been for the past however many years so but it, it it's such a bad look that I kind of figured this was going to happen too that Bruce Cassidy is in the final with the Golden Knights a team a, st- a roster that was ready to be a Stanley Cup contender and just needed the right head coach mm-hmm. because Bruce Cassidy is is more than a fine head coach he was a really good coach with the Bruins and they let him go because what he was a little too harsh on on the players, <laughs> and so they needed uh, a nicer, happy go lucky guy and Jim Montgomery to lead them. And like even though their regular season was incredible, it just ended up being the result I figured it would be in the playoffs from the start of the year, not not mm-hmm. the start of the playoffs. Yeah, just I thought going they were first out of the first round, round. Uh-huh. right? But like obviously, I started to believe him more uh, when the playoffs started. But of course, they just lay an egg and blow in the first round anyway yep and now bruce cassie is in the final and that just is such a bad look on the bruins players yeah i think that's that's a fair way to look at it i mean it's probably not an easy decision to root for one team over the other uh you know for both of those for vegas like i i want i want to see cassie win a cup i think that'd be great he deserves to he's, he's he's a deserving head coach uh stanley cup head coach in my opinion but it just it looked terrible on the Bruins players, but <laughs> uh, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> like, that was a brutal decision that you guys made. Yeah. So I, I know you texted me saying, like, you know, be lucky that you're not a Bruins fan. It's like, oh, yeah. I mean, the Penguins didn't get a chance. They hurt me in April before the playoffs started. Imagine if it's I was just a... more pain. It's just more imagine pain. Imagine if I was a Hurricanes <laughs> fan, though, where, like, I have both of my teams in the Eastern Conference Finals facing, like, eight seeds and it's like wow i'm gonna get to see two teams in the championship one of them gets swept like the hurricanes right. did. that's what i'm saying about the bruins yeah like, they both did it they both lost to the eight seed yeah Miami, uh, florida team it would be like the the same kind of thing though whereas like just having that that pain like coming so close and be like especially the way it happened that was the most competitive sweep ever every game was one goal two of them went right. to overtime and then yeah you're just done so yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> it's just so brutal. This this is as this is the lowest you'll see me like as sports wise. Uh, when it comes to sports, like this is as low as it gets for hey, me. At the start of the year, you said that you were really looking forward to the Boston Celtics and Boston Bruins playoff runs, and and even though I figured I would get disappointment, like this is uh, what they did was special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> be, both of them being the odds-on favorites to uh, win it all, only to lose to eight-seeded teams in the same market of really a market where fan bases don't not really yeah not a great really sports care. market at not all. a great sports market at least professionally uh-huh. and to, to blow it in both both of them blow it in game sevens at home 
Yeah. No, you're right. It's it's a really tough way to for both of those teams seasons then. So but anyway, I mean we we went into this saying we're gonna talk mostly about the Celtics, touch on those other two series. We aren't gonna get too cute with it. So uh that's right. that's all we have for this one. Uh we might have an episode next week in the middle of the two series. We might just wait. I I don't know at this point in time. Uh, but, you know, we will at some point have some uh, things to say just with how they played out. Maybe we'll have further clarity on, you know, the NBA landscape outside of those two teams, whether it's the Celtics or others. Um, I mean, the NFL, we've seen some news. Like, DeAndre Hopkins is a free agent. Like, there might be some things yeah, we can De- talk about DeAndre there. DeAndre Hopkins but... is a free agent. The Patriots are still cheating. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lost two days of OTAs. <laughs> yep. Hey, yeah, you know, I'm that's joking, back but... to the winning ways, right? Am I supposed to feel good about that because Belichick has now got that competitive edge? And he wants <laughs> yeah. To, yeah, he cares he has to start again. Doing the, uh... He has to start doing that again? Or does it? Is it? Is it worse because the the Patriots get off to slow starts and this only hurts them? I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm sure it's more of the latter. Probably more of the latter, but <laughs> yeah, you can try to spin zone it. So anyway, that'll do it for this one. So for my co-host, Brad Wells, I'm Corey Thanks, everyone. Thanks.